Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 524 for the 13th of April, um, a Wednesday. Grab your Bibles and grab your notepads. <coughs> Still struggling a little bit with my throat. It's cold and wet here. I hope it's better where you're at. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes, enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revelation 1.3, excuse me. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in them. Now we're going to look at the church at Laodicea, a church that um, has nothing good. Let's just put it that way. And we can look at that and we can say, oh, what a horrible place. Or we can look at that and make sure that we self-evaluate, not just as as our churches, but as our individuals, and make sure that we don't end up looking like the church in Laodicea. Verse 14 of chapter 3, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? Here we have, the again, the angel. I believe it's the pastor. could be the messenger. Uh, the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the God's creation. We're going to come back to 14 because that's really the crux of this. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot so that because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I have not, I am in need of nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, Poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him. And eat with him and he with me, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Laodicea, let me read a little bit. Laodicea was located in the Lycus Valley, along with the cities of Hierapolis and Colossae. It was approximately 300 miles east of Athens. 600 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Two important imperial trade routes converged there. The city was a wealthy commercial uh, center, uh, the richest in Phrygia, which is an area. It was known for banking, the manufacturing of clothing, especially black wool, and a famous medical school with ointments for the eyes and the ears. Notice that. Ointment for the eyes and for the ears. Uh, So wealthy was the city that following a devastating earthquake in AD 60, Laodicea rebuilt itself without any assistance from Rome. The Roman historian Tacitus or Tacitus said of her Laodicea arose from the ruins by her own strength of her own resources and with no help from us. The city and church were alike. They saw themselves as self-sufficient. They did not need the help of anyone, including God. They were just fine all by themselves. And the church for sure was badly deceived, and we can be too. So let's learn from Laodicea. Let's learn to be uh, people who trust in the Lord and are not self-sufficient. So first of all, we have the destination, which is Laodicea, banking center, black wool, medicines, uh, self-sufficient, thinking it's rich. But second of all, we have uh, the Lord. 
He's faithful and true. Look at Acts chapter one and verse, or excuse me, Revelation chapter one and verse five. <clears throat> and from Jesus Christ, underline it, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. And then look at verse 14. The hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. He sees everything. He is the faithful one. He is the one who is true. He's also, ultimately, um, he is the creator. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, uh, verse verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then verse 14 says, and he, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why do we talk about Jesus so much in the book of Revelation? Isn't this about end time events? And isn't it about the apocalypse? And isn't it about all the, the bowls and the seals and, and the trumpets? No, no. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ, and about Jesus Christ. So each one of these churches had its own little thing going. But each one of these churches had forgotten, I shouldn't say each one, each one of these churches, Jesus revealed himself as something to the churches. Because Philadelphia was a good church, and Sardis um, was, was a, a good church. But Laodicea, we have nothing positive here. But Jesus reveals himself as the one who is faithful and the one who is true. Look at Colossians chapter 1. I love talking about my Jesus. I do, I do, and I'll never get tired of it. I pray that I never get tired of it. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or all things were created through him and for him. And we read the verse uh, 17, 18, 19, and 20 as well, and you're going to learn so much about our creator. He's the sovereign creator. He's omniscient because he says, I see your works and I know your works. But it also says that he is truth. Go back to the book of Isaiah. We go there a lot, you you and I. Um, I pray that you'll fall in love with the book of Isaiah and that you'll spend more time there. Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 16. This is important, talking about the God of truth. And this scripture really is referenced in Revelation here when we talk about uh, Jesus. So that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself, how? By the God of truth. And who who takes an oath in the land shall swear, how? By the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and, and are hidden from his eyes. How do we, uh, uh, how do we possess the land that God gives us? <coughs> how do we live in this land that God gives us? We live it by the God of truth. The Laodicean church was self-sufficient, but it was also self-deceived. It believed that it could do its own thing. Remember, the earthquake comes, destroys the city. Rome, we got this, we'll rebuild. And their, their wealth in their eyes proved the presence of God and the blessing of God in their lives. And that's not always true. Poverty is not godliness and either is wealth. It's what we do with each. It's how we uh, give thanks to God for each situation. It's how we learn to be content in each situation. 
Look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 6, familiar, most of you can quote it. says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Did he just supersede his father there? No one comes to the father except through me. No. He knew exactly who he was. And you and I need to know exactly who he is. We need to understand who Christ is. And we need to understand that he is the one who brings discipline. He is the one who brings reproof and correction. Look at what he says to the church. He, he, he talks about all of the things that they need. And then in verse 19, he says, those whom I love, those whom I love, those who I, I'm, I'm in love with, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent, uh, repent. I love you. And that should cause you to be zealous. And that should cause you to accept my correction, because those whom I love, I correct. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Underline it, as sons. So who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So as we, as we are loved by the Lord and as we are received by the Lord, we should accept then discipline. Now, how does discipline come to us? Because we, we like to say, well, God just strikes us with things and God just does things. How do we know God is uh, uh, truly disciplined us? Well, I believe it's from the word of God. Look at it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, listen, for teaching, for reproof. Proof, reproof means uh, reprimand or correction. For correction, for training in righteousness, what uh, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does the word of God do for us? It brings all of those things. It brings teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, woman of God, child of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Oh, but I just want the blessing of the Lord. Then you want his correction. Then you want his discipline. Then you want his teaching. You want his training and righteousness because when we have those things, then we become uh, people that are uh, approved of God and ready and have everything that we need. Now turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Gary, this doesn't seem to fit. I think it does. Verse 33. We're talking in uh, chapter 6. He's talking about laying up treasures for yourself in heaven, not on earth. Verse 33 gets right down where the rubber meets the road, as as uh, Brother McGee would say. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things you, will be added to you. What things? All the things you need. Not all the things you want. All the things you need. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is he saying? He's saying we need to seek God. We don't need to seek a list, a list of things that we want, a, a shopping list for God. I need this, this, this. If I'm going to serve you, I'm going to have to have these things. Um, you know, if I'm going to do the things you want me to do, I got to have this. I gotta, no, no. 
you have everything you need. The Bible says that pertains to, to life and godliness when you have the Lord in your life. So he says, zealous, be zealous and repent. There's no commendation in the column number three, none. Verse four, he says, you need to know yourself. You need to, you think you're rich, but you're poor. You think you're clothed well because you make clothing, but you're spiritually naked. You need to know who you are. You need to repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and and he with me. Now let's stay in context. Who is he talking to in chapter three? In these verses from 14 on, he's talking to the church in Laodicea. So who is he talking to in context in verse 20? Not to the world outside the church. This isn't an evangelistic knocking at the door. This is, listen, I just told you there is nothing in you that's commendable. You think you're rich, you're poor, you think you're clothed well, you're naked. He says, I challenge you to buy from me the things you really need, the things that are refined, the things that are, are important. And listen, I stand at the door and knock of the church of Laodicea's heart. Now, can it be for us later? We can look at it and and maybe see if it fits, but it has to mean for them, first of all, what it means. And so to the church at Laodicea in verse 20, he says, I'm standing at the door of your hearts and I'm knocking and I'm asking you to hear my voice and open the door. Don't just hear the knocking, hear my voice. Remember in John 17, he said, my sheep hear my voice and another, they will not follow. So he says, hear my voice, wake up to the sound of my voice and wake up to the sound of my knocking. And how does he do that? He does that through, usually through the word of God. And he says, if you do that, we're gonna have intimacy because I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna have fellowship with you and I'm gonna eat with you and you're gonna eat with me. There's the intimacy, but it comes down to this. Will you hear the knock? Will you hear my voice? And will you open the door? I'm not gonna force my way into your life, he says. I'm gonna knock at your door. Verse 21, the one who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Remember, he's preeminent. We saw that in Colossians chapter one, verse 15. And we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He goes first. Well, he went first and he conquered and he sits up on the, uh, the throne of his father. And if we go then and follow his example and we conquer, because in this world you will have tribulation, John 16, 33, but be of good heart, I've overcome the world, right? John 16, 33, important verse to put to memory. We will have situations and struggles. But if we overcome, we get to sit and reign with him. Look at uh, Revelation 5 and verse 10. And he said to us, and you have been made a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. We get the opportunity to rule and to reign with him because we've been made priests of God. Look at Revelation 20 and verse 6. Revelation 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second resurrection or second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him a thousand years. There's the millennial reign of Christ, the literal thousand years. Now go back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22. 
Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, underlying Spirit, says to the churches. And who's that Holy Spirit? Turn to Acts chapter 5. This is important. We've looked at the Father. We look at the Son. We need to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Remember the Ananias and Sapphira story. Uh, they both they lied to the Lord, Ananias uh, and Sapphira both. Verse uh, 3 and 4, he says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Underline that. And he, to keep back... <laughs> For yourself, part of the proceeds of the land, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived in this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Who did he lie to? He said in verse 3, lied to the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 4, you've lied to God. They are one. Look at John chapter 15. Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit and what was to come next, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. Remember, we saw that Jesus was the Spirit of truth. Now we see the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Are there two? No, they are one. They are one. Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. Chapter 16 and verse 13. When the Spirit of truth... Of truth, Jesus was just looked at as the spirit of truth. We looked at Isaiah as God being the spirit of truth. We look at John chapter 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the truth. They are one. God the Father, God the, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look back to John chapter 10 and verse 35. John chapter 10 and verse 35. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. We're looking at scripture. Scripture is our source. Scripture is, is, is um, our lifeline. Scripture is what corrects us. And he says, Jesus says, it cannot be broken. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 as we get ready to close. And when he had said these things as they were looking, verse 8, excuse me, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Verse 8 there, not verse 9. You're going to receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember, he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans in John chapter 14. I'm going to go. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. And that's when in chapters 15 and 16, he goes on to tell them that they're going to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, that Spirit's going to be your power, your dunamis, dynamite. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost. We see this church uh, that did not have a good understanding of who they were. They were reliant on themselves, their own money, their own finances. They said they were rich. They said they were wonderfully clothed. Jesus says, you are poor, you are pitiful, you are naked, and you should be ashamed. But he says, I'm going to reprove you. I'm going to rebuke. I'm going to discipline. And then I'm going to stand at the door. I'm going to see your response to that discipline. I'm going to stand. I'm going to knock. And if you'll hear my voice, hear the knock. And if you'll open the door, I'm going to come in and have fellowship with you. And then, and then as you overcome, you're going to sit with me on my throne. You're going to rule and reign with me. He hadn't given up on the church of Laodicea. 
as a big a mess as they were, he still stood at the door. He still knocked and he still said, invite me in and we will have intimacy and fellowship and we will spend eternity together. There's the hope. There's the hope. Let me close in prayer. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Until we talk again.